0: this is the Careers in Review podcast. We'll show you how to navigate the job market and career
1: space like a pro. Starting now, here is your host, Ediana Rosen.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Today, we have a super special guest. Her name is Genesis. I'm excited to have Genesis on the podcast. She is a first-generation college student, graduated with a degree in finance from BYU, and now works for Google as a policy product specialist. How awesome is that? Her passion is inspiring low-income first-gen to accomplish their dreams and escape the cycle of poverty. She firmly believes that every choice we make is instrumental to our success. She advocates for higher education and believes that success is 50% hard work and 50% believing in you can do the hard work. Wow, Genesis, I love that. And that is exactly how I found your page through TikTok, was through one of your amazing videos talking to first gen and how to get out of that poverty. So, so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, I know that I just kind of gave everybody a little bit of a bio, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Like, I'm just fascinated about how you came from a low income family being first generation to the United States to work at Google. That is just amazing. Tell us a little bit about that trajectory.
1: Absolutely. For a little bit of context, like you mentioned, I graduated from BYU in Utah with a degree in finance. And it's funny because I selected finance because it challenged me and it made me a little bit afraid. So I knew I didn't want to go into finance, and instead I hopped into the world of problem solving for Google Ads, which is what I do now as a policy product specialist at Google in the Colorado office. Aside from my nine to five, I'm like extremely passionate, like you mentioned, about inspiring low-income communities to escape the cycle of poverty and build generational wealth. So I do this through TikTok primarily. I'm also a real estate investor, an Airbnb super host, and most importantly, a wife and a mother. Thanks again for having me. Oh my gosh, that's
0: awesome. I would love to hear a little bit more about how you started with Airbnb and becoming an investor at such a young age. I'm sure that that has really contributed a lot with you kind of getting out of the cycle of poverty. But we'll get into a little bit about that a little bit later, but I would love to hear your story of how has growing up low income, do you believe, has really shaped who you are today as such an amazing creator and talking about such important topics like escaping the cycle of being poor, coming from underrepresented communities. Tell us a little bit about the story and the experience you've had growing up like that to today be a super host for Airbnb and be a real estate investor. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, thank you. I've really grown a lot this last decade and coming from a low-income household had a massive role in that, I would say. When my family had very little money, we had to be extremely resourceful with our food, with the support we sought out, and personally when it came to school. So I think growing up low-income has really allowed me to understand the mindset of what a lot of people have growing up. Low income. Oftentimes we think we're never going to escape. We're never going to get out, that this is it. We aren't going to move forward and be wealthy one day. It's kind of a stagnant mindset. And so that has truly allowed me to kind of put myself in the shoes of who I used to be as someone that grew up in a low income community. But thankfully, I've never really been of that mindset. Instead, mine is the starting line is only the beginning. So every step we take, once that race gun goes off, it's detrimental to our success. So with my content, I really try to keep it real. I'm genuinely Genesis on social media because I believe in vulnerability. Vulnerability is what touches people. And if I want and expect you to open up to me, I should be willing to open up to you too.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that is right. Her name is genuinely Genesis, just in case. We will talk about all of that at the end or how to contact her. But I love that name. And once I saw your content, I can see why you chose that name, because it just makes so much sense. I love that. And then, you know, you mentioned you grew up low income. And I do know that sometimes what we're going to talk about here comes from We have our privileges, we all do in this life. And I think it's important to acknowledge that before we continue the conversation. But I love how you mentioned how, you know, sometimes it's a mentality that we have a mindset shift that we have to make, that it doesn't always have to be that way. Although we don't have the generational wealth that our parents are passing on to us, it doesn't necessarily always has to be about the money, right? But how you consider yourself to have that wealth of knowledge, of having the courage to do something new so that you can get out of that cycle. So what do you think are some things that kind of trigger that change in your mindset, knowing that although you were coming from nothing when it comes to the income side of things, how were you able to see yourself as somebody who was resourceful enough to get out of that cycle?
1: To be honest with you, I didn't take no for an answer. And that is evident in anything that I did. At a young age, I obviously would struggle seeing my mom struggle and work x amount of jobs and barely see her witnessing this at such a young age i think in my mind i told myself this is temporary and i have the power to change this and to be honest with you i remember being 12 and thinking that way and i know that most 12 year olds probably don't think that way and for that reason i believe that i was blessed with a gift and That gift is to inspire these girls, these boys that are going through this life where they are born into a situation that they didn't pick. And although their parents are working so hard to make ends meet, right? As typically child of immigrants, they have the choice. And that choice, like every single choice that they make is completely detrimental to their success.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. And you know what? It takes us into our next question so seamlessly because my next question is going to be about rejection. Like what has your experience been with rejection and how do you think that that has helped you lend a role at Google? Because we all know, especially when it comes to job search and coming from low income situations, all we know is rejection. Like No, 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 no. Like when we are growing up and you don't have a lot of money, you want something your parents are going to say. Sorry, no, we don't have money for that. When you're applying for a job and you didn't go to a target school, most likely if you apply for these big places like Google and all of the other fan companies, most likely at least the first time you might hear no. But I would love to hear your experience about that piece on rejection and how do you think that helped you to land the role at Google?
1: Ah, rejection. It's always a love-hate relationship. I remember feeling so defeated when classmates would talk about their one, two, three offers that they had just received, while I had just been rejected from every company I had interviewed for, right? And this is my junior year of college. So it was heartbreaking. I had one last application to submit, and it was a terrible application to put all of your hope in, considering it was as prestigious and competitive as Google. But I put my heart and soul into that application. There was a massive difference through my application and preparation for interviews for Amazon and Disney, who I got rejected from, compared to Google. It was so clear. So so clear that I wanted Google with the amount of hours that I put into that preparation and that application. I revised my resume and cover letter like a mad woman, like the detail-oriented person that I am. I did at least three mock interviews and showcased my personality when it when it was showtime. So I think that sometimes you just have to want it bad enough and your actions should showcase that.
0: Mm, I love that. And you know what? I've heard that from a lot of people, like, oh, I just applied and I never heard back, and I've applied to this is my favorite one. I've applied to 200 plus jobs and I don't hear back. And I was like, well, that's the issue. (laughs) You know, applying to 200 plus jobs, like how much dedication and time and attention can you truly put towards those 200 applications? As opposed to scaling it back and saying, you know what, these are my target places. This is the company that I really wanna work for. This is the job that I really wanna land. Scale back. Be intentional about it, because I'm sure that there's many other things that you did aside from preparing. Of course, everybody has to prepare and revise and make sure everything looks good. But I'm sure there's many other things that you did that you can think of that have helped you land the role, not only at Google, but now be like the speaker for people who come right behind you, who come from the same background as you, that feel empowered and say, you know what, if it's possible for her, it might be possible for me, which is why it's so important to continue to advocate for diversity in places like this, because It opens up doors for other people that are coming from the same place. But if you can think back to when you first landed your interview and job at Google, what are some top three things you can think of that you believed helped you get into tech?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. And a question I think both of us get a ton on TikTok and all of our social media accounts. But I would say the first one is like you have to stand out. Your resume is your first impression. So it needs to be filled with impact. In other words, data points. What I tell everyone, if a bullet point doesn't have data, throw it out. I don't want to see it. We want data. And that's exactly how like, we manage our performance cycles at Google. And I'm sure many other corporations also manage their performance cycles. So data, data, data. That would be the first one. A second one I'd say is don't get discouraged. Just like we mentioned, right? One tech company will see what you have to offer while another 10 won't. So you really have to be prepared for that rejection and not be so tied to that one company because maybe that one company did not see the value that you have to offer. And the last one is prepare. So if you actually get the opportunity to interview you need to prepare like it's actually a job you want. So I'd recommend at least three mock interviews per round of interviews with someone in a role that you're interviewing for. Constructive feedback from that person or multiple people is a must. And not only receiving that constructive feedback, but going back to the drawing board and implementing that feedback. And that's the hardest part. For me, I really don't believe there's a point in getting an interview if you're not going to nail it. So I do have an interview guide. So you'll have to stay tuned for that. Ooh, exclusive details over here. (laughs) I love it.
0: And you know, that made me think of a question because you mentioned, you know, try to do Mac interviews with ideally somebody who potentially is already in that role. How do you recommend people do that? Especially when we come from the backgrounds that we come from, like as an immigrant myself, I didn't have my parents to rely on for a network. It was very hard for me to find people who were in places that I wanted to be because I didn't really see examples like that in my community. So what are some tips you have on reaching out to people, networking? Like, how can you get somebody in that position to help you do a Mac interview? You know, I
1: think one of the things that I'm the best at is asking for help. And I truly believe that that is a massive talent of mine and i encourage other people to get better at asking for help. What i would start off with 100%, right? You're going to go to LinkedIn, you're going to search that same job title that you're applying for and everything that you've probably already heard. But something that you can also explore is reaching out to people within your community. That being, you can even find someone through next door, kind of reach out, put yourself out there, reach out via like Facebook your community through Facebook. There are a bunch of professionals that I'm sure you have in your network that you don't even realize. For me, what really helped was reaching out to my community at church as well, finding people that are also like business oriented and have this kind of experience. So truly reaching out to people that are all around you. And sometimes you don't realize and don't ask the right questions to realize that these people actually have a lot to offer to you, especially in the case of a mock interview. Mm, I love that. And that's a
0: great point. You know, sometimes you don't even know people who you go to places that you would never think of, like church, right? Like to talk about work and things like that. Many different people from successful backgrounds, from amazing careers are probably going to be going to that church. So you just never know. You just kind of put yourself out there. I love that tip. And I know that it can be nerve-wracking. I know it can be super (laughs) scary to put yourself out there and say, hey, I need help. But we're humans. We all need help at some point. And that again, I love that you phrased it as a strength because it absolutely is a huge strength. Uh, And many people, including myself, not very good at it. (laughs) You know, especially now that I'm a mom, it's very hard for me to like tell people that I need help. Because for some reason, I don't know, our society teaches us that we need to do things on our own and that. It's going to look weak if you ask people for help. But in reality, we never make it. We never are successful by ourselves, whether it's the support of a spouse, whether it's support and the ability to to count on like your parents or a good friend or a neighbor. I think it's important to have that. But, you know, I just want to go back to, you know, this, this podcast is about people who want to boss up and level up their careers, their finances, their life. And I know that we talked a little bit about how to land a job into tech. But I want to pivot a little bit to the beginning of our conversation where you, you mentioned that you were a real estate investor and an Airbnb super host. And I can see a theme here. Obviously, you have a nine to five and then you have your side hustles. You're a content creator as well. And that is a great way to be called, you know, what we say nowadays is diversify your income. How can you as a first gen or even as an immigrant like myself Where can we go to, or what type of resources do we have at hand, or how can we essentially diversify our income? Because it's just hard, right? Like, we don't have a network, we don't have connections, we don't have time because we're always working, or whatever the case might be. But what are the first steps you think that we should be taking to follow your your footsteps of having different income streams so that we don't depend on just one?
1: Absolutely. And I love that question and some points that you made. I think it's funny because. I can't necessarily point to your listeners, right? And say, hey, this is how you're gonna diversify your income because the ways that I've determined how I'm going to diversify my income are things that I'm passionate about. They're things that make sense to me, right? And they may not make sense to you or someone else. I'll give you a little bit of rundown of what I do. I think the first thing we need to understand is just why is it even important to diversify your income? So when we diversify our income, we're diversifying to hedge the risk, or in other words, reduce our risk if the market were to do something crazy. So for example, if for some reason I were to lose my job at Google, I would be doomed if I didn't have any other streams of income, considering I'm also the sole provider in my family. Well, luckily, I have two other main streams of income that would be the content creator income and the Airbnb slash real estate income. So I hedge the risk. So if I were to lose my job, I'd be good to go. It'd be okay, right? And so I truly believe that you have to ask yourself, what are you passionate about? This could be something like, maybe you really like thrifting. Maybe you really like going to the thrift store and finding unique items and then reselling them. That's something that I do just for fun whenever I do hop into thrift stores. And that's another way that I can diversify my income. So I think it's really important to think about what you're passionate about. And sometimes people are like, well, I don't know what I'm passionate about. Well, you got to ask the right questions. So when you walk into a room and let's say you're overhearing conversations all around the room, there's one conversation that's going to intrigue your interest a lot more than the others. What is that conversation? What is that conversation that actually makes you want to speak up? That is what you're passionate about, or at least one of the things that you're passionate about. And so finding ways to diversify your income aside from your nine to five that you're passionate about will be something that you can do in the long run because you're passionate about it. And it's not just for the money. Because here we don't have time, right? Like I have very limited time because we're doing all these things But if you are passionate about the extra things, your side hustles, then you will prioritize your time to actually get to those side hustles.
0: Mm, I love that. And yes, I think that's a huge issue right now, especially with over simulation we all have online and what everyone else is doing that you just get confused. Like, what is the one thing for me? Like, these people already have all the things that they want to do. It's already been done. Like, I'm passionate about that, but I don't want to do it because somebody else is doing it. I think it's very important to, yes, ask the right questions. I love that. And the reason why I'm making emphasis in this topic is because A lot of the job seekers that come my way to seek, you know, career coaching help or even just consume my content, a lot of them are in a unfavorable situation at work. But they can't leave because they don't have a plan B to fall back on. I think that the reason why I love to bring the topic of money when I'm talking about careers is because when you have financial freedom, not freedom per se of like, oh, you can retire tomorrow, but Financial freedom in the sense of having the opportunities because money brings opportunities your way, right? So let's say that you're in this horrible environment at work that you're just sick to your stomach, but you cannot seem to find a new job. And you're stuck there because that's your only source of income. You don't have an emergency fund. You have debt to pay off. You have to sustain yourself or your family if you're the sole provider. And so that puts you in a situation of desperation, which is why you continue to be in that cycle of landing roles that you don't like because you go from one place to the next without doing the necessary due diligence, without asking what's important to you and your values, because you have taken away that decision power because you need the money. And so the reason why I'm so passionate about this particular topic and how I so synced it with careers is that when you have the freedom to say, you know what, I have three months in an emergency fund. If this job is really making me sick the way that it is because it doesn't align with my values so I'm being mistreated, At least I know that I can survive for three months of paying my bills off of my emergency fund while I try to find a job that aligns with what I want to do, that aligns with my values. And so that's why I just wanted to kind of connect the dots here for people who are listening because I was in that situation. (laughs) I, I, again, I'm an immigrant. It's money's huge, huge taboo in our families. And it's something that we never talked about. So I was the most financially illiterate person you could have ever met. Like, I know that that's probably like being a little bit hard on myself, but Truly, I really didn't know much about money. I knew that you work, you get money and you pay bills. That's all I knew about money. I didn't know that it was best practice to have an emergency fund and I never had one until I got myself into a situation where I was in this job that I hated. I was being mentally and verbally abused and I couldn't leave it because I had no options. I was literally living in the cycle of like every month. Let's go, I have a job. So why do I care to save money? Like I'm going to get paid the next month. And then I started to realize, wait a minute this can be life. Like people cannot live like this. So I started to do research and obviously, you know, you were one of those people that popped up when I was doing research. And I just love everything that you're doing with your content because it teaches people like me or other people coming behind me now that I'm also teaching other people how to do the same, that there are options. There are options, but, uh, you know, I love to talk a little bit more about your experience right now, you know, how do you actually handle having a nine to five job at a place like Google's? You know, it's a demanding job, I would assume. And content creation and hosting Airbnb and dealing with the stress of owning real estate. Like, how do you handle all of that?
1: Great question. Right at the top of my head, I'll tell you exactly what I do. So my nine to five is strictly nine to five. I start at nine and I stop at five. It is very rare where I work before nine or after five. That's something that really helps me, right? And then between five to 7.30 or eight, when my son goes down, that's my family time. That's the time that I dedicate entirely to my family and just try to be as present as possible. Then once bedtime comes around, my son's asleep, the house is quiet, that is when I start to make content, Sometimes I'll go live or sometimes I'll make a video or two. And although that definitely works for me, I have found that my best videos are the ones that I create on the go. The ones where I just have a thought, I immediately record it and boom, a hundred thousand views. I'm like, how does that, you know, how does that make sense? But I've realized that People like to see you. People like to see you, like, just with your thoughts. And, you know, I've got a lot of personality, and I try to showcase that through my videos. The more curated the content is, it seems like the less people want to see it. So I'm finding that recording just kind of on a walk or in the car or whatever it may be is actually more sustainable for me. So that's that and then as for airbnb and real estate i actually hand a big chunk of that over to my husband because i'm only one person i can only handle so much right and especially aside from content creation i also have to work with brands and these collaborations and just it's just a lot to handle so with my husband he's the one that focuses on property management we have one airbnb so far and are seeking to expand our portfolio. And he has been the person that has truly done like the research, I kind of approve it. And then I'll be the one that designs it kind of puts up the listing kind of everything that has to do with like the marketing aspect. That's me and then him is like kind of the day to day work. Without my partner, I definitely wouldn't be able to live the best of both worlds of being a businesswoman, but also a mother. I
0: love that, and then again, it goes back to saying you just need a support system, right, to be able to support you in your dreams and and your goals. So, oh, and by the way, I we just found out Genesis is also a mom. So on top of that, <laughs> and I have, <laughs> yeah, you know, I have two kids myself, so I totally understand and can definitely vibe with you having to take that time. But I, I, you know, I appreciate you mentioning that because sometimes people ask me the same thing. Well, how do you do it? You know, you have two kids and this and that. I think sometimes when it comes to things like this, and you're a mom. And they're that little, you know, because our kids are small. It's understanding that quality of the time you're spending with them is a lot better than quantity of the time you're spending with them. So for me, I'm the same way. Like when I'm around my kids, I have no phone with me. I'm with them. I'm playing. I'm talking. I'm just constant. Same thing with my husband. When my, my husband and I are... You know, spending time together is just the two of us. And that's important because in the beginning, I used to guilt trip myself. Like, my God, I'm spending all this time working and all this time doing content, all of that. But at the end of the day, it's for a better life for them. Like, I'm building a better life for them. And that's what I tell myself. Well, Genesis, thank you so much for all of those amazing nuggets. I do have one last question that I love to ask all of my guests. And that is if you could talk to baby Genesis,
1: what would you tell her and why? Baby Genesis, man. I would tell her, I want you to be yourself because I have a lot of personality. And growing up, I was afraid to let it out. Right now, I've found that the more personality, just like I mentioned, I show my friends, family, or TikTok following, the more I enjoy life and the more people enjoy being around me. I just truly believe that we're each so unique and it's so much easier for others to love you if we love ourselves.
0: I love that. Well, you heard it from Genesis. Thank you so much for joining us today in the podcast. I appreciate it and learning more about your story and your vulnerability here with us. I'm so happy that you were to come
1: on and please tell us how we can find out more about you and how can we contact you? Absolutely. Please contact me on all social media sites as Genuinely Genesis. You'll learn how to spell genuinely throughout that process. And (laughs) you can also find me at genuinelygenesis.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Genesis. I appreciate it. Thank you. From effective networking to landing job offers, this is the podcast for action takers ready to be the best they can be without any fear. This is the Careers in Review podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode of Careers in Review. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter. You will receive exclusive information about upcoming shows, transcripts, and information about our guests. For all resources mentioned, show notes, transcriptions, and more details regarding topics discussed in today's show, please visit the Careers in Review website, www.careersinreview.com podcast. You can also follow Careers in Review on all socials for more exclusive video content. Thank you for listening.